Story 18 of the Times Red Cross Storybook by Famous Novelists Serving in His Majesty's Forces by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story 18 The Face in the Hop Vines by Charles G. D. Roberts, King's Liverpool Regiment. From the low window framed in hop vines came light enough to light to bed, so sleepy a traveller as I so i troubled not at all to find the candle sitting idly on the edge of the couch i pondered on the effort it would require to pull off my boots a soldier and hardened to all shifts i might indeed have slept as i was but the bed was the best in the inn and i cared not to vex my hostess's tidy soul by any such roughness of the camp even as i thought of it however my tired brain was flowing away into dreams but on the sudden I sat up straight, very wide awake. My hand went to the butt of my pistol. I had caught a stealthy rustling in the hop vines about the window. Could these Acadians be planning any mischief against me? It was not probable, for they were an open-dealing and courageous folk, and had shown themselves civil during the few hours since my coming to Chattacamp village. Nevertheless, I knew that in a certain sense I might count myself to be in an enemy's country, and vigilance my best comrade. I sat in the gloom, motionless, watching the pale square of the window. Presently a head appeared close to the glass, and my fingers released the pistol. The head was a woman's, a young girl's, it seemed, in the wimpled white cap wherein these girls of Acadia are wont to enshadow their bright faces then light fingers tapped on the pane and with great willingness i threw open the sash but on the instant guessing at a mystery of some sort i held my tongue and kept my face aloof from the outdoor glimmer for my part however i could make out less perhaps by these material eyes than by the inside of the heart that the face which looked up peeringly into mine was young and alluring jacques she murmured in a voice which my ears at once approved is it really you there's a mistake here an interesting mistake said my heart to me but i let no such utterance rise to my lips no indeed but my name is jack and no one could be supposed to think of spelling at such a moment my conscience made no protest as i answered surely dear one it's jack who else could it be i spoke in a discreet whisper for all voices in a whisper sound alike, and I blessed my stars that I had perfected my French since my arrival in Halifax. I put out my hand, but failed to find a small one to occupy it. "'Of course I knew it was you, Jacques,' the bewitching voice responded, "'or you don't suppose I should have come knocking at your window this way, do you?' "'No, I should not, chérie,' I assented heartily, solicitous to cherish the maid's mistake and prolong the interview to the utmost patience of fate. But it was kind of you to come so soon. This seemed safe and non-committal, but I trembled after I said it, lest some unknown revelation should be lurking in the words. "'I had to, Jacques, because I was afraid you might come to see me to-night.' i was coming i interrupted boldly mendacious but i was on the road all night and thought i had better lie down for a soldier's forty winks before i called she laughed under her breath provocatively how your french has improved in these two years she remarked with approbation i used to think you would never learn this was the first time i had seen chedicamp village but i felt safe in my reply 
I was stupid, of course, mon ange, but after I was gone I remembered your sweet instructions. This was dangerous ground. I hastened to shift it. But tell me, I went on, what can you mean by saying I am not to come and see you? Surely you are not going to be so cruel when I've been away so long. No, Jacques, she said, with a decisive shake of her pretty head, you cannot come. Father is very bitter against you, and there would be a scene. I began to feel that I had rights which were being trampled upon. But what do you suppose I came to Jeddakamp for? I pleaded not merely to see me that i know jacques came the decided answer you could never get leave of absence just for that you cold-blooded english could never make a woman's wish so important couldn't we indeed i protested in my eagerness i leaned forward into the glimmer seeking closer proximity to the fair enshadowed face that seemed to waver off alluringly just beyond my reach then in a panic lest i had revealed myself and displayed to her the error which i was finding so agreeable i drew myself back hastily into the gloom to cover my alarm i reproached her plaintively why do you keep so far away sweet one surely you are glad to see me again she laughed softly deliciously under her hood i haven't seen you yet really you know jacques perhaps you have changed and i might not like you so well men do change especially englishmen and soldiers they say but tell me why have you come to shattercamp what reason beside to see me this was a poser i feared the game was up but experience has taught me that when one has no good lie ready to hand it is safest to throw oneself on the mercy of truth and trust to her good nature she has so many sides that one of them can generally be found to serve any occasion i told the truth yet with an air that would permit her to doubt should the game require it the business which gained me the privilege of coming where i might be once more blessed by the sight of your sweet eyes provoking one was the need conceived in the heart of our good governor of putting a stop to certain transactions with the french at louisbourg which as you doubtless know very well have laid all this jeddakamp coast under grave suspicion your people i dare wager are too wise to be mixed up in such perilous enterprises no sooner had i spoken than i realized that for once truth had tricked me i had better have trusted to invention thank you jacques that is just what i wanted to know you are so kind good night there was a mocking note in the sweet voice a little ring of triumph and hostility for one instant the face was raised and i saw it plainly as if by the radiance of the scornful eyes then before i could in any way gather my wits it vanished i thrust my head forward heedless of concealment and gained one glimpse of a shadow disappearing through the shrubbery i sprang out to follow but no i forget myself the window was somewhat small for one of my inches i climbed out laboriously the witch was nowhere to be seen then still more laboriously i climbed back again cursing fortune and my own stupidity which had bungled so sweet a game i sat down on the edge of my bed to consider the errand which had brought me from halifax to Chetacamp with six soldiers to support me was one of some moment and here was i already in danger of distraction thinking of a girl's voice of half-seen mocking eyes rather than of my undertaking 
i got up shook myself angrily then sat down again to lay my plans for the morrow the old seigneur of Chedecamp, monsieur raoul saint michel Elfebvre, had heartily accepted the english rule and dwelt in high favour with the powers at halifax but he had died a year back leaving his estates to his nephew young saint michel it had come to the ears of the government that this youth a headstrong partisan of france was taking advantage of his position as seigneur to prosecute very successfully the forbidden traffic with Louisbourg great and merited was the official indignation it was resolved that the estate should be confiscated at once and young monsieur saint michel lefebvre captured if possible thereupon the estates were conferred upon myself to whom the governor was somewhat deeply indebted it was passing comfortable to him to pay a debt out of a pocket other than his own i was dispatched to chedecamp to gather in monsieur lefebvre for the governor and the lefebvre estates for myself they were fair estates i had heard and i vowed that i would presently teach them to serve well the cause of england's king my first thought in the morning when the level sun streaming through the hop vines brought me on the sudden wide awake as a soldier should wake slipping cleanly and completely out of his sleep heaviness my first thought i say was of a shadowed face vanishing into the night glimmer and something enchantingly mysterious to be sought for in this remote acadian village then remembering my business and hoping that my indiscretion had not muddled it i resolutely put the folly from me and sprang up it is curious when one looks back to note what petty details stand forth in a clear light as it were upon the background of great and essential experience i am no gourmand but apt to eat whatever is set before me with little concern save that it be cleanly and sufficient yet never do i hear or think of chedicamp village without a remembered savour of barley cakes and brown honey crossed delicately with the smell of bean blossoms blown in through a sunny window at the time i am sure i took little heed of these things my care was chiefly to see that two of my men set forth promptly to watch the two wharves on each side of the creek which served the fleet of the fishermen then i dispatched two others to spy on the roadway entering and leaving the village and a fifth to sentinel a hill at the back overlooking all the open country with the remaining fellow my orderly at my heels i set out for the dwelling of young monsieur saint michel lefebvre de chedicamp rehearsing his full name with care as i went in order that there should be no lack of courteous ceremony to disguise the rudeness of my errand i needed none to point me out the house of the lefebvres on the crest of a dark wooded knoll at the south-east end of one long village street it spread its cluster of grey gables low and of a comfortable air fir groves sheltered it to the north and east on the west gathered the cool green ranks of its apple orchard down the slope in front unrolled a careless garden thyme pots and hollyhocks rose gooseberry bushes and marigold beds and a wide waste of blossoming roses all as unlike the formal pleasances of france and england as garden close could be yet bewitching like a fair and wilful woman it shall not be changed by so much as one gooseberry bush said i to myself highly pleased with the prospect 
then rounding a lilac thicket i arrived at the open gate and then face to face i met a girl the meeting was so sudden and so closely did i confront her that i felt my coming a most uncivil intrusion moreover she was most disconcerting to look upon stammering apologies and snatching my hat from my head i flushed and dropped my eyes before her which was not in accordance with my custom i dropped my eyes as i say but even then i saw her as clearly within my brain as if my eyes were boldly resting upon her face the lady of the manor evidently i had heard there was a sister to the recalcitrant young seigneur one mademoiselle irene over whose beauty and caprices had more than one duel been fought among the gallants of quebec the picture which during these few heartbeats while i stood stuttering burned itself into my memory was one that not absence years or habitude has any power to dull the face was a face for which some men would die a hundred deaths and dream all beauty in dying while other men blind fools and many women of the envious sort would protest it to be not even passable a face small thin clear and very dark the chin obstinate the mouth full somewhat large sorrowful mocking maddening unforgettably scarlet the nose whimsical dainty the eyes of a strange green radiance very large and trustfully wide open frank as a child's yet unfathomable a face to trust to adore but not to understand the hair black thick half curling with a dull burnish falling over each side of the brow almost to cover the little delicate ears the figure clad in some soft whitish stuff descending only to the ankles was under middle height slight to thinness straight lithe fine indescribably alive in some strange way reminding me of a flame in narrow little shoes of red leather the light feet stood poised like birds from one small nut-brown hand swung a broad-rimmed hat of black beaver with an ample black feather at the side beside this entrancing picture i was vaguely conscious of a wide yellow pathway sloping upward through roses 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 drenched in sunlight presently i heard the sound of my stammering cease and a soft voice troubling me with a familiar note said courteously you are very welcome to jetticamp monsieur my brother is away from home unhappily but in his absence you must allow me the honour of taking his place as your host in my poor way i looked up and met her eyes fairly my confusion lost in surprise and on the instant my heart signalled to me it is none other than the maid of the window take care yes i saw it plain yet i should never have known it but for a perception somehow more subtle than that of ear and eye for she had disguised her voice the night before and her dress had been that of a peasant maid and the bright riddle of her face had been in shadow i perceived too that she felt herself safe from discovery and that it was for me to save her blushes by leaving her security unassailed in all this sudden turmoil of my wits however i fear that i was near forgetting my manners but mademoiselle i demanded bluntly how do you know who i am 
it is the part of the conquered to know their conquerors monsieur she answered in a manner that eluded the bitterness of the words but indeed the place of an english officer on duty that is doubtless official is here at the seigneury and not at the village inn we cannot let you put a slight upon our hospitality i was in sore embarrassment and the parchment deed conveying to me the seigneury of Shettycamp began to burn my pocket i felt a vehement desire to accept the sweetly proffered hospitality of this enchanting witch the temptation dragged at my heart-strings there was nothing to do but take it by the throat rudely if i would save any shreds of honour alas mademoiselle i said avoiding her eyes i am here on a rough errand and your courtesy pierces me i am here to arrest your brother and carry him a prisoner to halifax monsieur monsieur what do you mean she cried with a faintness in her voice but looking up suddenly i saw that her surprise was a pretty piece of feigning though her agitation was real enough i mean that your brother though succeeding to these estates under protection of english law and owing allegiance to the english crown is giving aid to england's enemies he is supplying louisbourg with grain and flax and cattle from these lands of acadia which are now english the governor has proofs beyond cavil he has sent me to arrest your brother mademoiselle not to be happy in the hospitality of your brother's sister and now to my amaze the merriest and most persuasive smile spread a dazzle over my lady's witch face those proofs of your good governors monsieur she cried with pretty scorn i will show you what folly they are you have all been deceived you must come with me now and give me fullest opportunity to clear my brother's honour and in any case it is my right as well as my pleasure to entertain the governor's representative when he visits the place of my father's people but i was stubborn that deed in my pocket weighed tons yet my inclination must have shown in my eyes plainly enough for one less keen than mademoiselle irene lefebvre to decipher it a little air of confidence flitted over her face nevertheless i shook my head most gracious lady i protested you honour me too much it will delight me to learn that your brother has been maligned and in this faith i spoke true forgetting the contingent peril to my pocket but were he never so innocent it would be my duty to take him to halifax for the governor himself to weigh the evidence the irony of life has sent me as your foe not as your guest then monsieur come as a foe who but observes the courtesies come with your hands free to arrest my brother at any moment on his own hearthstone he is far away from it now praise mary or to arrest your hostess either if your duty should demand that unkindness come as one who graciously accepts what he could if he would take as his right let us play that you are come here as our friend monsieur and give me the hope of winning an advocate for my brother against the evil day that may bring him before the cold english judges at halifax her strong little eloquent hands were clasped in appeal and who was i to deny her but i looked into her eyes and i saw in their childlike deeps underneath the mocking and the feigning a clear spirit which i could not bear to delude i understood now very plainly her mad game of the night before 
she was unmasking a danger for her brother i justified her in my heart for my own part in the folly i felt a creeping shame how lightly she must hold me this thought and a sense that i was about to hurt her brought the hot flush to my face and i looked away as i spoke but mademoiselle forgive me that i bear such tidings the estates of monsieur raoul lefebvre seigneur of chaticamp are confiscated to the crown lifting my eyes at the last words i saw that the girl had grown very white and was staring at me in a sort of terror there was plainly no feigning here this blow was unexpected unprepared for something beyond her bright young wit to deal with i seemed to see in her heart a sudden hopeless desolation as if all her world had fallen to ruin about her and left her life naked to the storm of time not a word had she ready in such a crisis mademoiselle i cried more passionately perhaps than was fitting do not misunderstand the confiscation does not apply at once of course and you are still absolute mistress here if your brother be proved innocent the decree of confiscation may be revoked so it will now be held in suspension you will i am sure permit me to go through the form of visiting your house to convince me as the governor's emissary that monsieur lefebvre is not there then i will return to the village and see to it that my men shall cause you no annoyance or embarrassment i dare not ask you to pity me for the duty that has been put upon me as i spoke i had been watching her face without seeming to think of anything but my own words first the colour returned to cheek and lips then a wild anger was lighted in the great green eyes anger with a fear and appeal behind it then a resolved look and i knew that she would force herself to play out the game setting her brother's interest before all else and then last of all a most fleeting elusive look of triumph at the back of her eyes and at the bow of her lips for the indeterminable fraction of a second i took note of this with some anxiety could it be possible that she felt sure of her power over me could it be possible that she had at all any hold upon me no she was too confident she interested me amazingly she seemed to me the most beautiful thing that could ever have existed but i was not in love and would not be swerved from my duty even if i were yet all this was flashed instantaneously through my brain she was speaking and i was yielding you are a generous enemy a chivalrous enemy monsieur she murmured in a low earnest slightly strained voice then she recovered her lightness i am almost your prisoner in a sense am i not a suspect certainly if i accept your leniency and profit by your permission to stay here under my confiscated roof do not make me die under this weight of favour be my guest and let me feel that i am not the only one in debt was this the same woman this half-mocking all irresistible creature she whom i had seen grey-faced with hopeless trouble not three minutes before said i to myself if i put my wits or my heart against hers it is all up with me blank truth is my only hope aloud i said i will be your guest mademoiselle though the debt in which i so overwhelm myself is one from which i can never again get free 
for this acquiescence my reward was just a look of brilliancy that made me catch my breath with pleasure with a gesture that bade me to her side she turned and moved slowly up the path between the shining copiousness of roses i will send a servant with your orderly to the inn monsieur she said to fetch your things our old walls will be glad to shelter again a soldier's uniform even if the colour of it be something strange to them almost you tempt me to wish that i had been born to the white uniform i answered in a daze with the nearness of her the witchery of her the nameless charm of her movement the subtle intoxication of her voice almost you tempt me to regret she retorted with gracious raillery that the men of your cold and stubborn north cannot be moved to change by a woman's arguments it is to unchangeableness we are moved by a woman mademoiselle i spoke with an exaggerated lightness to avoid a too significant seriousness is there ever i wonder a risk of such steadfastness growing tiresome mused mademoiselle turning contemplative the swift change discomfited me i turned my words to platitudes on the beauty of the house the garden the landscape and presently i found myself established an honoured yet confessedly hostile guest in the seigneury of Chetticamp a little old housekeeper wizened and taciturn and omnipresent kept me under an inscrutable surveillance but treated me civilly enough my chamber very spacious but with a low ceiling of broken slopes under the eaves its windows looking out over the rose garden the village and the sea was furnished with a strange commingling of the luxury and daintiness of versailles with the rudeness of a remote half-barbarous colony one of my men my orderly was entertained much to his satisfaction in the servants quarters and did me service as regularly as if we were at home at gorham thames while the rest lodging at the inn came to me with daily reports which varied not at all in their trivial sameness i breakfasted alone throughout the morning i walked exploring the country for miles about and talking with the inhabitants or i investigated the roomy irregular old house whose half-open doors and rambling corridors extended trustful invitation to my curiosity or i read and wrote in the small but well-stocked library to which stained glass from rouen a prayer-desk and a corner shrine lent the savour and sanctity of a chapel at one hour past noon precisely i dined with mademoiselle lefebvre and afterwards either walked with her in the garden and in the fir woods or if the weather was unfavourable conversed with her most pleasurably in the book-room while she wrought with more or less affectation of diligence at a curious piece of tapestry gold threads and scarlet on a cloth of a soft dull blue before sunset we supped and in the evening with doors and windows open and the scented breath of sea and rose and meadow flowing through she played to me on her spinet or sang ballads of old france till candlelight and good-night brought the day to a close small wonder being so gently occupied that i was in no haste to force events to ask myself what i desired or expected should happen the man i was sent to seek was obviously not here it was a plain and pleasant duty for me to stay here and await him 
meanwhile i was serving the king by my presence which was security that the seigneury of chedicomb should render no assistance to the king's enemies at louisbourg to be sure it was rendering continual assistance to mademoiselle arine lefebvre de chatecamp but i could not bring myself to consider for a moment that the king could be so unhappy as to count her among his enemies and so the day slipped by i was not as i should have sworn to myself in all honesty had one suggested it to me in the least in love with mademoiselle i merely found it unavoidable to think about her or dream about her all the time impossible to engage my interest in anything whatever that i could not connect with her for her part she grew day by day more sweetly serious more womanly courteous until our pretty masquerading that night at my window among the hop vines came to be a remote unbelievable dream but the situation seemingly so quiet and easy that it might aspire to last for ever was in fact a bubble of rainbow tissue blown to its extremes of tension and ready to shatter at a breath when the breath came it was a light one truly yet how the face of the world changed under it i awoke one morning in the first rosiness of dawn with a kind of foreboding i went to the window there in the misty bay hove to at a discreet distance from the wharves was a small schooner signalling the signals were unintelligible to me which meant it was my duty to be concerned with them i remembered that there was a flagpole on the knoll behind the house with a sudden leaden sinking at the heart i realized that mademoiselle's brother was at last in evidence and i could imagine nothing that would more embarrass me than that i should succeed in capturing him after watching the signals for some time and wondering if it were mademoiselle herself manipulating the unseen replies i decided that there was nothing to be done but parade my guard openly along the coast then if he should persist in stupidly running his neck into the noose i would have to do my duty and pull it oh why has she a brother i groaned cursing him heartily but straight revoked my curse remembering that but for his delinquencies i had never come at all to Chetikamp. slowly i made my toilette and before it was finished the little vessel was under way again beating out of the inlet against a light westerly wind both to north and south of Chetikamp harbour were little sheltered ports with anchorage for such small craft as she and i concluded that with this wind she would seek the next haven northward i resolved to send my men to search the southerly coves then i stepped out upon the terrace and met mademoiselle herself tripping through the dew her hair dishevelled her eyes like stars her small face one gypsy sparkle with excitement at sight of me an apprehension dimmed the sparkle for an instant then she came forward to greet me with her usual courtesy but now there was a challenge deep in her eyes and presently a return of the old subtle audacity as if i were a foe to be fenced with bewildered eluded it hurt me keenly and i took no thought of the utter unreasonableness of my grievance good morning monsieur she cried gaily have you a bad conscience that you sleep so lightly and arise so early mademoiselle said i gravely bending low over her cool brown fingers and noticing that they trembled i have been watching the signals from yonder ship 
the brown fingers were withdrawn nervously they were quite unintelligible to me i continued but i readily infer that your brother has returned and is on shipboard a strange look was it relief passed over her face then she nodded her dark head as if in frankest acquiescence allow me to say at once that i must try to capture him but that i earnestly hope that i shall not be so unfortunate as to succeed at this her eyes softened upon me never had i seen anything in life or in dream so beautiful as the smile upon her lips but i went on my men will patrol the coast but they are few and i cannot of course prevent your messengers eluding their vigilance and communicating with monsieur lefebvre i am glad i cannot prevent it i doubt not you will warn him that all this neighbourhood is strictly watched my men would at once recognise him if they saw him from the descriptions they have had then as i watched her face my restraint was shaken the love which i had not till that day let myself realise laid mighty grasp upon me the long-chained passion crept into my voice and it changed trembling as i continued oh you can prevent him falling into our hands i beseech you let not that evil come upon me that your brother should be my prisoner thank you monsieur she said very simply putting her hand in mine with a confidence like a child's her eyes searched my very heart for a second i think with such assistance we can elude your vigilance monsieur but on the instant her look changed to one of the deepest gravity as i have so often thought of that look since it was a surrender in part in part a sacrament the south cove at noon she said with a sort of sob and flushed and ran hastily into the house for a moment or two i stood staring after her in utter bewilderment the dominant feeling which sent great gushes of light and warmth through heart and brain and nerve was that she loved me that she had revealed herself to me on a swift inexplicable impulse this set me reeling in a kind of intoxication but underneath clamouring harshly to be heeded was the problem she had thrust upon me she had forced me to know just what i had striven so desperately not to know for the moment however i did not think i simply let myself feel and turning mechanically i walked in a daze down the winding road through the rose garden of course said i to myself and half aloud to the roses she means that i am to act upon her word and take my men safely out of the way to south cove before noon leaving the north harbour where the ship has gone perfectly secure she knows that i can act with a clear conscience on so definite a piece of information as that she knows that there is nothing else for me to do she sees that i love her she trusts me and she trusts my wit to comprehend her subtle devisings irene irene and i swung gaily down towards the village through an air more light and sweet through a sunshine more radiant and clear under a sky more blue than ever before my travelled senses had encountered i breakfast at the inn by the time my messengers had got hold of my scattered men and given them my orders to report to me at south cove it wanted but an hour of noon 
to south cove was an hour's brisk walking and i set out with my orderly at my heels he was a trusty discreet fellow with whom i was wont to walk not a little but to-day my dreams were all sufficient to me and i would not let the lad so much as stir his tongue arriving at the point where the upland dipped down to south cove a narrow inlet thickly screened with woods i noted the hour as exact noon then liking well the look of the leafage below me with the glint of water sparkling through and craving no company but my own and my thoughts i bade my man wait where he was and watch the roads both ways and halt the others as they should come up the path down through the trees was green mossed winding and steep i went swiftly but noiselessly near the foot as i was just about to emerge upon the beach the sound of voices below caught my ear i essayed to stop myself slipped crashed through a brittle screen of dead spruce boughs and came down erect upon my feet but somewhat jarred not ten paces from the spot where a lady and a cavalier locked in one another's arms stood beside a small boat drawn up upon the shingle it was mademoiselle and the man was her brother as i saw on the instant from the likeness between them they had unlocked their arms and turned towards me startled at the sound of my fall mademoiselle's face went white then flushed crimson and drawing herself up she confronted me with a look of unutterable scorn mingled with pain and reproach apprehension and amusement struggled together in the face of the young seigneur for my own part i had realized on the instant the whole enormity of my mistake mademoiselle had told me the plain truth staking everything on my love trusting me utterly my heart sinks now as i recall the anguish of that moment i had but one thought to justify myself in her eyes i sprang forward stammering forgive me mademoiselle i did not understand i quite misunderstood believe me i never dreamed but shaken and humiliated as she was she did not lose her presence of mind she played another card boldly captain scott she said as if this were the most ceremonious meeting in the world this is my fiance monsieur de st ange by great good fortune i had wit enough to seem to believe her in fact perhaps my belief was too well simulated for the expressions that passed over her face in the next few seconds were inexplicable to me and mightily increased my confusion but toward this monsieur de st ange i felt most cordial delighted monsieur i am sure i exclaimed bowing low while he bowed with equal ceremony but in silence i congratulate you i went on terribly at a loss then i looked at mademoiselle who had turned away white and indifferent there has been some mistake i continued desperately that you should wish to see your betrothed is of course to me sufficient explanation of your presence here but others might think i should inquire more searchingly into an enemy's purpose in visiting a place like this my men are in the neighbourhood i will go at once and withdraw them but i beg you monsieur to withdraw yourself as speedily as possible i backed away striving in vain to win a look from mademoiselle as for her brother he was most civil i thank you for your great courtesy monsieur he answered the corners of his mouth restraining themselves from mirth 
much as it would be to my pleasure to know you better i am aware that i might find it inconvenient i shall comply as speedily as possible with your most reasonable request at the foot of the path finding that mademoiselle was quite oblivious to my presence i turned and made all haste from the calamitous spot when i found my men i hurried them off toward jettecamp with an eagerness that hinted at a fresh and important clue from the inn i sent them in parties of two on errands of urgency that might take them as far as possible from south cove then hurrying back to the seigneury i awaited in sickening suspense the return of mademoiselle to a belated meal at the suggestion of the wizened old housekeeper i ate the meal alone or rather i put some dry chip-like substances into my mouth which chose to collect themselves in a lump some little way below my throat the old lady seemed as ignorant as i of the reason of mademoiselle's delay though once and again from the shrewd scrutiny which i caught her bestowing upon my countenance i suspected that she knew more than she would confess the afternoon went by in that misery of waiting that turns one's blood to gall i would go out among the roses but cursing them for their false disastrous speech i found them not contenting company then i would go back into the library and spend the sluggish minutes in jumping up sitting down trying this book rejecting that while every sense was on the rack of intensity to catch some hint of her presence in the house but all in vain the stillness seemed unnatural there was a menace in the clear pour of the afternoon sun when at last toward sundown the humpbacked old gardener went by the window with a watering-pot i was startled to see that the affairs of life were going on as usual there was somehow a grain of comfort of reassurance in the sight of the old humpback i left the library and went to find the housekeeper determined to put her through such an inquisition as would in some way relieve my suspense i found her in the supper-room putting flowers on a table that was set for only one supper is served monsieur she said as i came in for me alone i gasped feeling that the world had come to an end for monsieur she answered tell me and the tone made her look at me quickly with a deference not before observable in her manner tell me at once where mademoiselle lefebvre is gone certainly monsieur certainly there is no desire to deceive monsieur mademoiselle and her maid have removed to the inn at Chedicamp, where mademoiselle intends to reside till she can join monsieur her brother at louisbourg i heard her through then rushed from the room snatched up my hat and sped down to the end of Shettycamp. I fear that the civil salutations of the villagers whom I passed went outrageously unregarded. My demand was urgent, so within a few minutes of my coming I was ushered into Mademoiselle's parlour, and with a thrill of hope at the omen I noted that it was the same room which I had occupied on the night of my arrival at Shettycamp, the same dear room through whose hop-garlanded window I had made such bold and merry counterfeit with Mademoiselle in her disguise but not nourishing to hope was mademoiselle's greeting i had not dreamed so small a dame could ever look so tall her slim figure was in the gown of creamy linen which she had worn when i had met her in the rose garden her small strange childlike face was very white 
her lips set coldly and less scarlet than their wont and her eyes they were fearfully bright and large with a gaze which i could not fathom to what do i owe this honour monsieur she asked it is much but i was rude in my trouble why have you fled from me mademoiselle i interrupted passionately why have you left your own home in this way i will leave it at once for you shall not be driven from it my home monsieur it is your house i will not be a pensioner on your bounty how had she found this out i was in confusion what what do you mean mademoiselle i stammered i mean monsieur she said with ice and fire contending in her voice that all these days when i thought i was playing the hostess in a home belonging either to my brother or to the english government i have been but a beggar living on your charity i know that you are the owner of shedicamp house and all in it it having been taken from us to give to you i was in despair over this further complication but this was not the time for finding out the betrayer of my secret i had hoped that you would never know mademoiselle i protested but it is not of that i would speak forgive me i beg you on my knees for the stupid mistake the unpardonable mistake i made this morning and oh count it something that i did my best to remedy the error so that no harm came of it the anger that flamed into her eyes was of a beauty that did not delight me doubtless you did your duty monsieur as a servant of your government doubtless honour required that you should betray the trust so foolishly reposed in you by a silly girl you would have taken my brother and through his sister's folly i cannot feel any very keen gratitude for the generosity which suffered my fiance whom you did not seek to go free light began to struggle in upon the darkness of my brain your fiance i returned quickly could you think for one moment i did not know that he was your brother her face changed marvellously at this declaration i knew your purpose then i went on but forgive me forgive me for not understanding you before i was not worthy of the simple trust you placed in me i thought you meant me to understand that i should take my men to south cove at noon to have them out of the way i thought it was a piece of your daring strategy and i was proud because you trusted my stupid wits to follow your plan i thought it was to save me the embarrassment of openly letting your brother go i thought oh i thought myself so wise and i was so cheaply careful of my duty can you forgive me you know you must know in the light of what i did afterwards that if i had only understood your words and all their uncalculating faith no power on earth would have prevented me keeping myself and my men as far as possible from south cove her tense attitude relaxed her figure seemed no longer so portentously tall it is i who must ask forgiveness she said softly holding out her hand i seized it in both of mine and dared to kiss it fiercely hungrily and marvelled to find that it was not at once withdrawn from such an ardour i am not so wise i am not so subtle as you think me she continued it was a clever device indeed that you credited me with and so much more considerate and fine in every way than my poor little thoughtlessness which threw the responsibility upon you but you are mistaken monsieur if you think that i am at all clever or subtle 
she was looking down watching but not seeming to see how my hands held both of hers for myself i knew that the joy of life had come to me but i could find no word to say so wildly ran my blood after a moment's silence she said musingly i don't think i ever could deceive any one i am sure i never did deceive any one in my life but once oh yes once and here she lifted up her face and flashed upon me a challenge of dancing eyes and mocking mouth no indeed said i the maid who came to my window did not deceive me for a moment when afterwards i met her in the rose garden oh she gasped with a little sob while her face grew scarlet you knew all the time it was horrid of me too horrid to think of oh at this point it seemed to me that she was looking for a spot to hide her face and taking base advantage of her confusion i drew her into my arms and let her blushes fly to cover against my coat never before in my opinion had the king's uniform been so highly honoured to my window you came that night my lady i whispered but it was to the door of my heart you came end of story eighteen end of the times red cross story book by famous novelist serving in his majesty's forces by various <laughs>